Welcome back to season three of my podcast. I am Amanda Blackwood, the survivor. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. For those of you who didn't know, now you do. Keeping in line with that, this entire season is going to be focused on interviewing other trauma survivors who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. Get ready to hear from some truly incredible people. Please hang on for a moment through this brief advertisement. This is what currently pays for the show. Of course, I will also take donations through PayPal to keep the show running, or you can show support by a simple book purchase. I have quite a few out there. Just look for books by Amanda Blackwood on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Your purchase does go to helping to support local organizations that help fight human trafficking also. Good morning, and thank you for calling, Bianca. How are you? Good morning, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm super excited. Uh, you guys, I have on with me today Bianca Ambrosio. Uh, she was almost trafficked when she was a kid. She's currently writing a novel on the story, but she did actually publish a blog post about this experience, too. And I'm super excited to talk to you, Bianca. You know, I know, I'm a survivor of human trafficking, so we've got this, uh, like, uh, unspoken connection, I think. Um, yes, we do. <laughs> So let's start this out with a little bit of the, the good stuff. Not, we'll get into the bad stuff here in a minute, but where did you grow up and what kind of an overview? What was your family life like? I grew up in Howard Beach, Queens, um, in New York City. It's a very Italian neighborhood, um, a lot of mafia presence there. Um, my father was in prison when I was born, actually. My mother conceived, my mother and my father had been dating since they were in high school they were in their early 20s so while he was out of prison because he had a drug addiction while he was out of prison for a few months or a few weeks i'm not sure um you know she conceived me then he went back to prison and they got married while m- my father was in prison so they got married in prison my mother was eight months pregnant with me wow so he was due to get out in another year year or two and she was hoping that things would turn around. He was a very handsome young man, um, very intelligent. He recently passed away about a year, uh, almost a year ago. But he had, he had a bad addi- thank you. But he had a bad addiction to angel dust, unfortunately. Oh. And he grew up sort of like as a street kid, you know, on the streets of Queens and around a lot of tough guys. So I had a troubled childhood. I I grew up with my uh, very Italian grandparents, Sicilian grandparents, um, strict old fashioned, you know, they did their, their best, but my mother was in and out of my life. She, um, she wanted to become an actress and she kind of used to put me in some dangerous situations because she was naive at the time. And she was desperate for fame. I think maybe to get back at my father, like to show him, like, look at what I've become after, after he got out of prison, um, he went back to drugs and he, you know, was unfaithful. And that's why they ended up divorcing, right? It was about like a week or two after he got out, he just went right back. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, that had to be hard for you as a kid. How old were you when all this stuff was going on? So when my father got out of prison, I was a little less than two years old. And he went right, I don't remember any of this. It was old to me. 
my mother ended up moving on and finding somebody else. Um, she moved out of the house when I was around two to move in with the boyfriend. And then she would just sort of visit on the weekends. And wow. my father and I maintained a telephone relationship until yeah. we had a falling out and when I was in junior high school and then we reconnected later on when I was um, in college. Wow. Yeah. Well, hats off to you for, you know, overcoming all of that and getting through it, but also for reconnecting with your dad. That's something that I've had a really hard time with myself as, as trying to reconnect with my parents after what I grew up with. So yeah. I get that. Um, what all kinds of trauma have you had to overcome through all of this? I mean, watching your parents and watching all of that, how did it translate into uh, serious trauma in your own life? Well, I had very bad abandonment issues. I had an insecure attachment with my parents. Now that I'm a parent myself, I know more about attachment. And um, to have, you know, my parents in and out of my life coming and going, um, that was traumatic for me. Um, yeah. That led me to form, you know, relationships with narcissists and, you know, narcissists and people with um, borderline personality disorder. So I ended up going on to, you know, have, you know, be sucked into sort of these people that were like, you're amazing, you're the best, uh, you're, you're whatever. And then they, once they got you into their web, they would either, you know, cheat on you or, you know, a friend would date your, the guy that you were date, you know, you know, go behind your back and. So it started with that. It started with this re these really toxic friendships or friends that were verbally abusive to me. And just because I wanted to be accepted in junior high school and high school, I would still latch on to these people because they were giving me attention. Yeah, They were very controlling of me, very bossy of me. Then I right. ended up heavily getting into drinking in high school. I went to a performing arts high school LaGuardia in Manhattan. Um, and there was a lot of, it was very fast. A lot of, some kids were doing cocaine already. Some kids, you know, a lot were drinking in the bathrooms. Even during class, we were, we would drink. So I, I was mostly into drinking. I, I started drinking a lot in high school in the bathrooms, cutting class. Um, I was, I was moving really fast for my age. I was already in high school. Instead of, you know, bonding with my immediate family, I thought my friends were my family. I wanted to be yeah. out of the house, out of the house, on the cell phone, um, all hours of the night clubbing. And, you know, with these people that were not very nice to me, they were pretty toxic with me. Um, and then I ended up being raped, date raped when I was in high school because I was, it's not my fault, I know now, but I, I you know, I feel that my trauma led me to seeking so much outside of the home, which led me to trusting too easily, which led to the situation of somebody, you know, a, a close friend of mine at the time who was not really a friend taking advantage of me and drugging me. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that's when I sort of started to have to heal from the trauma and realize who are my friends? What kind of friends do I have? Who can I trust? Um, and I started to rebuild relationships with my mother and my grandparents, but I still wasn't securely attached to them. I still didn't feel like I, 
I felt like I still had a void. Right. I, can, yeah. I continued to, you know, get involved with toxic people. Yep. It's um, kind of a, a road for those who have that kind of early childhood trauma. Yeah. We end up seeking that acceptance and that love from wherever we can get it. And a lot of times it's in really bad places. Um, so you said you were almost trafficked as a child. Can you tell me about that? Can you elaborate a little bit? Yes. So my mother um, found a movie audition in the backstage newspaper. It was called Betty Rooney. Um, anybody, she figured out later that anybody was able to put an audition notice or a casting call on the backstage. But she thought because it was in the backstage that it was legitimate. So she was not yet in SAG and AFTRA, which is the union for acting. Um, and they, they wanted our pictures. And then they were like, okay, you're perfect. Then they wanted our passports. And she kind of went behind my grandparents' back. They were very against this. They had a bad feeling. So she got our passports. And as I remember it, I remember her being really excited, really telling everybody, we're starring in a movie. We're starring in a movie. And talking to me about it, that we're going to be in a movie. They're going to. We're going to film in a location, a different faraway location. If my grandpa me going, will I still go? Um, you know, will I, you know, will I, you know, go again? So I was living with them. So, you know, was I with her or was I with them? She was, it was kind of a tug of war. And yeah. my mother was not really a, a mother to me. She was more like a sister. She would come and go. But I really felt like I felt more connected to her. We, she was young. She was fun. She was creative. She exposed me to the arts. I was very artistic. Oh, wow. So I want, yeah, so I wanted to go with her. I wanted to do the movie. I was four years old. I saw nothing of it. I didn't think it was anything bad. Um, but my whole family was nervous. So it was kind of a rabbit hole. Then we're going to go here. First, they wanted to go to Jamaica. Then they wanted to go to somewhere in like Thailand. My mother is not 100% either Thailand or, or Japan. It was one of those. They were Then we're going to go here and they weren't being 100% forthcoming. Um, my mother couldn't figure out what agency this was. I mean, it, it was total mm. scam. Um, but they were going to have us. So basically, they were going to have us get on the plane with them and then they were going to take us to whatever country to be trafficked. Like they were going to use me um, and my mother, like, like use me um, against my mother so that they could, you know, use her for sex, whatever um, wow. they wanted to do with her or me. I mean, what happened was it was set. We were ready to go. She had her bags packed. Like she thought we were going to kind of leave in the middle of the night. But a lot of people kept talking to her. And saying that it was a bad idea. So she at the time worked for my aunt as a hairdresser at her hair salon on the Upper East Side. And there are a lot of well-known people, uh, journalists, um, lawyers, very rich people who went to my aunt's hair salon. So there was like this billionaire woman, Mrs. White, Shelby White. She, you know, donates to um, NYU and she worked for the New York Times and she was an investigative journalist. But she was, you know, she's very wealthy. She's still alive. Um, so she did some investigating. So she called a few people. She, she called the backstage. She called a few, and then she figured it out. She said, um, this has been happening a lot lately. She said, what they do is there, this is not legitimate. This is not a real casting call. Anybody's allowed to submit to the backstage. 
they get young vulnerable women with children um and then they traffic you they get you on a plane and then it's whatever they use you they use your daughter wow. uh, and that's it that would have been the end of you she said really um so thanks to Mrs. White, we were not trafficked. My mother was not listening to anybody. She was sort of of the she was sort of of the mentality of people are jealous of me. They want to sabotage my career. They don't believe in me. I'll prove them wrong. But yeah, yeah. It would, but to the, to a dangerous point in this situation. Um, yes, she was absolutely. Really, and she was really depressed after that. I remember sort of. Um, she was very down. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was her dream and she came so close, she thought, to having her dream come true and all of a sudden have the carpet yank out from under her and realize that she put you in danger, she put herself in danger, and that she's probably talked to and associated with people who are now being trafficked. I mean, that's, yeah. That has to weigh huge on somebody's, on somebody's heart and brain. That's, exactly. That's yeah. awful. It yeah. really was. It was a close call. I'm just glad that it didn't happen because I don't know yeah. what to do today. <laughs> yeah, me too. Now, the average lifespan of somebody in trafficking is only seven years, so you might not be here today. Horrible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what helped you to heal from all of the trauma that you've been through? So what helped me to heal was I ended up going to therapy in college and I talked about a lot. And then um, I actually, I, I close friendships with people who actually cared about me, who actually were real and authentic. My relationship with God, I'm a Christian. My relationship with Jesus helped me to heal, to realize, you know, there is love. There is a higher power who loves me unconditionally. And um, I don't need to depend on anybody to feel good about myself to feel loved um just prayer i'm still not a hundred you know i'm still not healed but i ended up developing severe ocd intrusive thoughts um this was a few years ago i went i did exrp therapy which is exposure and response prevention therapy uh -oh. So that was very helpful for anybody who has OCD and truth Um It really helped me to learn that my anxiety, my fears, I don't have to live with trying to avoid so much in my life. I, 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 not everything is dangerous because I was walking around life feeling like everything was dangerous. And yeah. it's because I've almost, you know, I've had bad things happen to me and, and a lot of close calls. But some things are irrational, like irrational fears of driving, irrational fears of everybody's bad when, you know, it's it's good to form, you know, positive relationships with the trusted community, but trusted, not, you know, just anybody, as you know. Um, right. Some people are, are manipulative. Some people really are, you know, are a threat, but. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's awesome. I haven't heard of EXRP. I've done EMD therapy, but I've never heard of EXRP, that probably will be really helpful for some people listening. That's yes, amazing. I, yes, yes. I did EMD also, and that helped me a lot. And then I did prolonged exposure for trauma. And prolonged exposure is you repeat, um, basically, you write down the trauma. You write down what happened. I mean, it's more in-depth. The psychologist would better explain it. And then you sort of repeat the story because we bury it so far 
Um, and we're so traumatized that we can't even think about it almost without dissociating, even blacking out, even just like getting angry, upset, anxious. So the more you expose yourself to the trauma, it kind of drifts away from you. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect you as much, the memory of it. Interesting. I wonder if maybe that's why I was able to finally overcome it is because of the public speaking and stuff. When I first started, I was terrified and I exposed myself to it multiple times over and over talking about the trauma. And I wonder if bringing that up so many times is, would be considered a form of prolonged exposure and helped me to get through it. Never it, even thought it, about it that. probably did because um, you, you feel better like after talking about it. Right. So. Right. You expose yourself to it. Um, you're not bur burying it, um, and you're facing it, and it's kind of coming out. For, it's almost like it's it's really buried deep, and it just sort of comes to the surface, and it grows, and it moves on. That's how I visualize it. I mean, we'll yeah. always we'll always be affected by it, but it just it 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 helps you. Yeah, that's amazing. That's it makes so much sense. Yes. I mean, it's extremely difficult because when, when I was doing it, I was like, this is torture. I was like, I, I almost don't recommend it to some people. You have to be in a, a, a stable place where you're able to handle it because it's just a lot of memories start flooding back and it can make you irritable, angry, depressed, anxious. So people need really need a lot of support when they do this. But it's it's known to be very effective. And I did it through University of Pennsylvania. Very cool. So what are the top three things that you personally have done to help yourself to move past all of the trauma in your background? So without therapy, et cetera? Yeah. Um, me personally, writing, um, you know, writing is probably the number one thing that allowed me to face my trauma because my first book that I wrote, which I'm still, I'm currently editing, um, mm -hmm. it regarded you know my relationship with my mother and almost being trafficked and also um, my relationship with my friend who was sexually abused as a child because I don't think a lot of people even realize that men you know men are raped too they're sexually abused too um and I've met and I you know I've had relationships with with people who are sexually abused as children men and I think you know that that also, you know, that affected me because, you know, the relationship has, it's hard to, for people to open up. It's hard for people to trust. I can't trust. They can't trust. We both have trauma. So I, I actually incorporated that into my first book, Gracie, you know, she and her childhood best friend, she re uncovers that he's being sexually abused at home. While she's going through tra a traumatic situation with her mother and her abandoning her and, you know, coming and going and her father being in prison. So writing all of this out really helped me. Um, reading, reading about trauma, reading about why, why do we feel this way? Like, how does attachment with your caregiver, with your parent affect who you are? Um, and... Sure. And I would say, you know, trusted relationships with others, close bonds. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Supporting each other, right? Supporting people right. you, you support them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I have to mirror all of that. 
I, I learned so much writing about my story and I learned even more reading about other people's stories or hearing stories like your own. Um, and then building bonds with people like my best friend, my husband, you know, people that are important and they get my story. They don't have to understand it, but they get it. Yes. And they support you and they're there for you. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you celebrate your little wins in life when you do something great, when you move beyond something, when you realize that you've overcome another piece of the background? How do you celebrate? Um, I celebrate by, you know, I really like community. I really like meeting friends, going, you know, going out to dinner, going to the beach, taking a walk, um, taking a dance class. Um something fun with people that I really care about. I really like getting together with people. I've always I been love that. social. I've always been social. I just, I like happiness. I like joy. I like celebration. I like supporting people, whether it's their birthday, whether it's their, they're getting married, a baby being born. I just like to celebrate with others, whether it's just, let's go take a walk together. Let's just get lunch. I feel like that's how I've celebrated in my life. That's awesome. And so many people, once they get through a trauma, they're scared of going out and doing things and celebrating. And I just, I love talking to people about how they celebrate that kind of stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so who inspires you the most and why? It can be anybody on the planet. Who inspired me the most and why? Well, um, I would say my friend, Pilar, my best friend, she inspired me a lot. She's a very strong woman. She brought me to God and she, well, I, I was already a Christian, but she showed me more about how I really, you know, I, that I, I deserve love. I deserve a, a good relationship with God. I'm not a fearful one. And, and she's older than I am. She's a writer too. Um, but I would say she inspires me a lot because she showed me that I, you know, a, a good friend does exist. That's cool. It helped me in so many ways and just to, to overcome a lot of trauma, you know, just to have a, a good friend that was always there for me. I and love that she was... have other good friends that allowed me to trust other friends and meet other good people. Yeah. I love that she was the one who brought you to having a, a better relationship with God. I, I'm a Christian myself. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, that's actually one of my favorite things about my husband was that he helped me to form a closer relationship with God, too. Um, he oh, got me you. back into church and it's just awesome. He's amazing. So what's one thing that you wish you could tell someone who's going through something similar to what you went through? I would tell them that they matter. It's not their fault. They matter, and that there are people out there that they you know, that will be there for them, that will care about them, that will value them just for who they are. That there is definitely help out there to help anybody with their trauma, anxiety, depression. There are good treatments out there: prolonged exposure, um, EXRP, psychotherapy, um, EMDR, as you did and I did as well. There are treatments out there. Nobody has to feel like there is no hope. I know we can feel hopeless at times. It's very difficult. But if you turn the, if you just hold on, turn the corner, there will be help for you. I know I felt very hopeless at times. There was always something right around the corner that changed my life. It could just be one day you meet somebody and your life 
changes for the better. One book. So I would I would tell every people out there to always have hope, always have faith. That's awesome. Absolutely. Um. So you did mention your 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 book, Gracie. You're currently working on editing that, but you do have a blog out there available, right? Where people can go and read some of your stuff. Yes, I have a blog. Um, it's Bianca Rose writes, and it's at Medium. I I I believe I gave you the link to it. Yes, and I will make sure that I include that in the description of the podcast so that people can see that. And that's uh, when the podcast airs, it automatically feeds that link over to uh, my social media website and my my own blog and all that stuff too. So people should be able to link directly to uh, your blog to be able to read your story, uh, which is just awesome. I'm excited about it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, and do you have a passage that you would like to share or would you rather skip that? Um, yeah, so I'll just read the last part of the blog post. Okay. Um, well, you have the ending, but it's all, it's leading up to that. <laughs> so when my mother barged into the house, demanding my passport, saying we were to fly across the world to star in a movie about a dog in the window, Nona refused to hand over my life. You can have your passport, she told my mother, but the minute you try and take my granddaughter out of this house, I will kill you. My great aunts and uncles, my cousins and family friends all begged my mother to leave me out of her plans. They never let their eyes off me. On New Year's Eve, after watching the ball drop on the television, and after my mother exclaimed that 1996 would be her best acting year yet, Prompting my family to argue with her about the movie abroad that would for sure make us disappear, my great aunt asked me, Bianca, be honest. You won't get on a plane with your mother to do this movie, will you? My mother looked at me with expectation gleaming in her eyes. Yes, I said, I am going with my mother wherever she wants. Wow. Wow, I'm so glad Miss White stepped in. And changed everything for you guys. She really did. Thank you. And I also Absolutely. wanted to mention that I'm 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 starting to write a book on Kindle Veya. It's under um, a pen name, Scarlet Amor. It's called Bella Nota. Oh, very cool. See if you can send me a link to that in email. I'll make sure I include that too in the description so people can start checking out. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, and one last question. I love asking this of people before I let them go. Um, what's one thing that you love about yourself that's not based on your physical appearance? I love my kind heart. I feel that I, I have a pure heart. I care about others and I, I look for joy. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that about you. You're just, you are such an incredible person and such an inspiration. I love that you overcame all of this and you're doing everything you can to help other people now and writing about your experiences. You are remarkable and I hope you know that. Oh, you too. I really admire you and, and, um, and your writing and you're so talented and you're so helpful and strong. <laughs> right back Thank at you. <laughs> Uh, if you ever decide that you want to come back on the show, just reach out to me and let me know. I'd love to have you back on maybe once your book is released. Uh, okay. We can always kind of do a recap. You can talk a little bit more about it and reveal a few more secrets, you know, that kind of stuff. 
Um, but oh, I'm here cool. for you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, Bianca. We will talk soon, I have no doubt. Yes, thank you. Talk soon. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. You too. <laughs> Bye. Bye.